Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, debuted in February 1974 in the pages of The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 129. Almost 50 years to the month, we celebrate Castle as a figure, not just within comics, but one who has been adapted to film, television, and animation. On the pod, we discuss Don Pendleton's The Executioner, who was the original inspiration for The Punisher. Actors who have portrayed the character, such as Dolph Lundgren, Thomas Jane, and John Bernthal. And how in modern day, The Punisher's iconic skull symbol has been co-opted by far-right groups. We also chop up other anti-heroes and likable villains in popular culture, such as Dirty Harry Callahan, Walter White, Arya Stark, and Deadpool. And as always, thanks for listening. So I sent you guys the article, The Punisher Turns 50 this year, like literally this month, February of 1974 is when he debuted yeah. in Spider-Man 129, Amazing Spider-Man 129, uh, all those years ago. Nice. Um, and there was, a, there was an article that was on... Uh, News Nation Now, uh, talking about Marvel Studios and The Punisher and how Jerry Conway, who's the original creator, one of the original creators and the writer of The Punisher, yeah, he's kind of got a little bit of uh, of a confliction, or he's he's conflicted a bit on uh, the the character's legacy because, you know, his symbol and and, and a lot of his, I guess his attitude has been kind of co-opted by far-right groups and and white supremacists. Mm -hmm. So, um... You know, so he's, you know, not feeling great about that in light of the 50-year anniversary of, of The Punisher. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit in our conversation about, you know, uh, anti-heroes in general and vigilantes. And then also the idea of somebody jacking a symbol, uh, you know, much in the same way that it happens in, in other forms of media and other other art forms, like with music and with, uh, with comedy. I remember um, uh, uh, Neil Brennan and Dave Chappelle talking about you know, uh, some of the really extreme humor that they had on Chappelle's show, mm -hmm. and then they get out in in the wild, you know, amongst average people, you know, and, you know, and rednecks and racists would come up to them, man, I love that skit y'all do about the nigger mother. Mm -hmm. Whoa, whoa, you know, and so somebody has taken their comedy, which was intended to be provocative, but definitely like to illuminate a certain perspective. And it's been, you know, it's been taken by somebody who, you know, and so you, you know, you kind of get an indifferent feeling about this thing you created. And D, I know you talked a little bit, in, you know, in our in our group chat, you were talking about how, you know, you, you can't really control what happens to stuff when you put it out in the world. But You can't. I mean, basically, guys, it was like this, you know, fire burns. So if you ignite, the, if you ignite the spark, guess what? You can't control where it goes unless you have a very specified element in place you want to put it to direct it. You know, it gets out of control real quick. So be careful when you ignite that spark. Be careful yeah. what you put behind it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I'll even make the comparison, uh, another compar musical comparison, where you know you have a lot of old hip hop heads who are talking about you know uh, hip hop's not what it used to be, and you know there are people who are rapping all over the world, and you know in Asia and Africa and uh, Latin countries, just everywhere. You know, hip hop belongs to the world now. It doesn't just belong yeah. to the Bronx doesn't just belong uptown baby uptown baby for the crowd it's yeah. not it's not there any longer and you know that's really just kind of how it goes in general when you put something out into the world 
and make it available. Uh, like, like Dwight is saying that, you know, you really can't completely control what happens to it unless you really put it in a very narrow, like he said, a very specific box and a specific lane with guardrails around it. And then at that point, you know, how effective is this thing that, that you've created? How effectively is it going to interact with its audience or with, you know, where you intended for it to go if it's, if it's boxed in that much, but, mm -hmm. um, but anyway, as far as Frank Castle goes, what are you guys' relationship with uh, the Punisher as a as a character? Because for me, I remember being again as a kid hanging out in bookstores and comic book shops and whatnot, and seeing those old pulp novels and paperbacks, The Executioner and Mac Bolan. you know all of these kind of Bolan, yeah, yes, Matt, sir. Mac Bolan and. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it seems like there were a couple of others uh, that sure. were kind of knockoffs of the executioner, mm -hmm. who was obviously you know one of Conway's big inspirations for creating the Punisher. But um, but that's kind of what I remember. I remember that era, that kind of post sixties seventies era, and I remember him showing up in black and white Marvel magazines. Mm. I remember him showing up in Spider Man, and and it was kind of like I remember thinking, well. This guy isn't exactly a hero, is he? You know, almost in the same way that like the Son of Satan or Ghost Rider or somebody like that wasn't really a true hero per se. You know what I mean? But what what what's your what's you guys' uh, relationship with Frank Castle, aka Frank Castiglione, aka the Punisher? <laughs> <laughs> what? It's funny. My first exposure to uh, to the Punisher was that a classic Spider-Man cover with him on the front cover posing with his rifle, ready to shoot somebody. And, you know, mm -hmm. the, the slick back hair, you know, I don't know what his, what his ethnicity was, but there was, there were, there was some obvious <laughs> cues there, um, including the name. But, you know, I was like, wow, this is an interesting character. I don't know how I feel about him fighting Spider-Man. And if he is fighting Spider-Man, how could he be a good guy? I, I hadn't, at that point, my, my comic book reading career, for lack of a better term, or, or you know, enjoyment, I hadn't crossed the line to where there was a room for a anti-hero. It was either you were good or you were bad. Spider-Man, there was no gray area, so I don't know if they were trying to prove with this guy. I was kind of, I was kind of left like nonplussed by the whole situation. I liked the graphics; it was awesome, but I didn't understand how he fit into the whole, you know, Marvel dynamic and, and characters. Mm. Uh, to, to Dwight's point there about good or bad, that was kind of my my thing as well. I hadn't really, as a as a as a young comic reader. I don't. I don't think I fully embraced the idea of an antihero or a vigilante mm -hmm. until maybe then, and then obviously Wolverine later on. But prior to that, any antiheroes that I encountered that I I read as an antihero, and I didn't even know what the term was, you know, when I was you know eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, um, would probably have been like the Lizard or mm -hmm. Man Bat, where it was like a character who seems bad but didn't mm -hmm. ask for this you know mm -hmm. or like a you know wolf man, man wolf or, or werewolf by night or something like that even um uh even you know some of the stuff in ghost rider and some of the satanic stuff in there was like well people didn't really ask for this this just kind of kind of came upon them and right, then maybe burden. later on it was like wolverine and lobo and Mm -hmm. uh, the demon and uh and other characters like that but adrian what what's your what's your relationship with the punisher and all right, well, basically, when I came into the hobby, when I was like 13 or 14, this was 93, 94, um, the Punisher, the character was hot, red hot, you know, in comics. You know what I'm saying? Had, at that time, four different titles 
going on, you know, at Marvel itself. (laughs) Just very much an icon, you know, because this was the age, this was the dark age, if you will. You know, this really was the Mm -hmm. rise of like the anti-heroes, you know, um, especially with the advent of Image and so forth. But my relationship with the Punisher really um, started, I want to say, around that time and getting into the hobby and going into shops and seeing like the wall books. And for those who don't know what wall books are, that's when you would go into the comic shop, you still can today, and the books that are up on the wall behind the counter, you know, the really high priced vintage material or the really Mm -hmm. valuable books. Mm -hmm. Of those, at the time, there was a Punisher War Journal story um, that was drawn by Jim Lee and it featured Wolverine. And this was issues six and seven. Those books were going for like between 10 to $15 at the time. Now, now I can pluck them out of a quarter bin for like a (laughs) dollar. No, I'm I'm dead serious. I've I've done it like twice. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And speculation boom. Yeah, man. And I thought it was so cool, man. You know, I wanted those books. Eventually I did get like a reprint because Marvel used to be very good about reprinting those um, like short, let's say three issue arcs and like a special, it wasn't even a paperback. It was like a triple sized, you know, comic, you know, that they advertised like mm-hmm. a feature length novel, if you will. That used to be the old term for it. So they had this, um, this story, this Wolverine uh, Punisher story in there. And I thought, oh man, this is so good. It got Jim Lee art in it. I'm like, man, Mm -hmm. this is what's up. Sold. Oh, absolutely. And then from there, (laughs) it just started working my way backwards. You know what I'm saying? Getting into like um, those early appearances when I could afford them. You know, stuff like, you know, when he first showed up. You know, now obviously I couldn't afford that Spider-Man appearance. I mean, who can? <laughs> now I'm right. not I'm not going back that far. But there is a Spider-Man appearance <laughs> that you can afford. Um, it is um Amazing Spider-Man annual number 14, if I'm no, 15. It's 15, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Wow. Um All right. great. It's drawn by Frank Miller, inked by Klaus Jansen, uh written by Danny O'Neill. <sighs> Once I got that, man, I was like, dang, this is, man, this, man, man, this dude is, man, this is great. This is great. Mm -hmm. Miller, it was that prime Mm -hmm. Miller. He's red hot on Daredevil at the same time, and he's drawing this annual, you know, with the Punisher in it. And then Mm -hmm. Punisher also shows up in Daredevil, too. There was a three-issue drug arc. You know what I'm saying? That the Punisher showed up. <laughs> and, and that was good. And that was reprinted in a paperback, too, that reprinted all three issues. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Called that, was a great, that was a great one, yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So just basically gathering those um, those storylines, you know, as I could as a young collector, then eventually working my way up to the um, Stephen Grant and Mike Zek um, Punisher. That first issue still remains one of my favorites action-packed like an 80s movie man like an 80s mm-hmm. prison movie still just oh yeah. Zach, <laughs> was, Zach was at the top of his game then oh my goodness and then mm-hmm. you know the regular punisher you know ongoing series 
drawn by Klaus Jansen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For those first, I want to say, uh, five or six issues, seven issues, I should say. And um, oh, 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 hey, hey, I, I can't forget. I cannot forget, uh, man, one of my favorites, uh, Punisher Warzone, those first six issues drawn by John Romita mm-hmm. Jr. and Klaus Jansen yet again. Um, only this time, you know, Jansen was doing the inks, but man, um, those first six issues of, um, Punisher Warzone by Ramita Jr., whoo, oh man, I love them, I love them joints, yo, man, just great, some, some of, um, some of JRJR's, uh, best work, yo, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, and last thing, I'm sorry, guys, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, last thing, also, the first 12 mm-hmm. I think it's the first 12 issues of uh, Punisher War Journal uh, drawn by Jim Lee. Now, now, now I mentioned um, issues six and seven, you know, just a few minutes ago, uh, just with that um, Wolverine storyline. But really, those first 12 issues are drawn by, you know, Jim Lee. And that right there, the Punisher War Journals, shit, man, that's some of um, Lee's. You, 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 can, you can see Lee, you know, starting to you know, mature. Now, those did have layouts by Carl Potts, you know, because Lee was still kind of kind of young, kind of fresh, you know, to the game, but it's like he matured very quickly, you know, under um, Potts' uh, uh, layouts, you know, and uh, kind of editorial, editorial tutelage, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, like, you know, Lee came on and those issues of Punisher War Journal, mwah, fantastic. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. One last thing. One last thing. I cannot forget mm. one of one of my last favorites. You know, on Punisher too. As far as artists, you got Will's Portacio, um, who does a run on um, the Punisher. Um, back, I think he took over. Maybe, maybe sure. In fact, I think he took over right after Jansen, starting with like issue eight. You know what I'm saying? So he ran from like issue eight to about issue 18, you know? So it's like back to back, two of my favorites on that Punisher um, limited series, not limited series, I'm sorry, that, that, that Punisher ongoing series. You got Jansen for like the first, you know, six or seven issues. And then you got uh, Portacio from issue eight to about issue 18. So mm-hmm. just, yeah. And then from there, just the, the Punisher just really took over like the late 80s and definitely by the early 90s, you know, when I came into mm-hmm. that um, hobby. So that's so that's kind of my relationship with the Punisher. And I would cap that off with also um, being a big fan of the uh, 1990 Dolph Lundgren movie, The Punisher, <laughs> which yeah. I, as much as people clown that movie, that is a very accurate representation of what the comics looked like at the time. If you put okay. a picture of Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher side by side with that Jim Lee, you know, Punisher, it's like, oh. <laughs> well, you, 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 forgot, you forgot the shoe, black shoe polish he had to put on his hair, yo. Because yeah. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren was the most Aryan looking mug in the world. <laughs> Try to play an Italian. I and must, then later I on, must break you. Yeah, I must break you. Know, you. Then later on, you got Thomas Jane again. These blonde dudes who are trying to come <laughs> off as, as Frank Castle. I think the Dolph Lundgren, uh, Lou Gossett 
Junior movie. I think wow. that was actually eighty nine, yo. You know I don't what? Think that I was ninety. Think, I think that I was I think you're right. I had always seen yeah. it advertised um, when the date showed up in like TV Guide or whatever. It said nineteen ninety The Punisher, but I yeah. think you are correct. Yeah. It was released in eighty nine. And for my money, yeah. man, I I, I I love that movie. I, I absolutely love that movie. Unabashedly, Ugh. unabashedly, Ugh. <laughs> unabashedly. Hey, we we all we all have our we all have our little our little you know personal favorites guilty stuff, pleasures man. yo so, exactly <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not I'm not hating on you for that man I understand what was what was the scene in the movie he was like uh, oh, that was every uh, scene that's every scene <laughs> <laughs> that's everyone <laughs> it was every scene <laughs> pretty much. But Dol- Dolph so, has never been known as a great actor, sir. Yes, no, that's he was, not he his was thing. No, he's a, thespian. No. no, he was not. Yeah, he's, no, he's, a, he's, no. An action-packed, he's an action-packed kind of dude, you know, and, and he just, he, he knows his lane, bro, and he stays there, you know, mm-hmm. and that's good. He actually, he actually, he's, he's actually not bad. He has a, uh, a small role in the Aquaman movies. Really? Oh, yeah. uh, he play, that, he yeah. plays uh, Mira's father, and he's actually not bad. I didn't catch that it was him at first. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he's not actually not bad as, as the, uh, as the character, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but just just to backtrack and do a little bit of housekeeping, so the character was created by Jerry Conway and John Romita Sr. and Ross Andrew back in 1974. Yeah, Ross Again, Andrew. first appearances in Amazing Spider-Man 129, and it was inspired by Don Pendleton's The Executioner. Mm. Um, and as mentioned by Adrian and I think maybe Dwight too, other creators who worked on the character, Archie Goodwin, mm. uh, Stephen Grant, Mike Zeck we mentioned, Mike uh, Mike Barron I think wrote the ones that uh, Klaus Janssen illustrated. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the series that he illustrated. Uh, Frank Miller, of course, uh, wrote him in uh, mm. the Child's Play uh, uh, arc that Adrian mentioned. And also he wrote a very good version of The Punisher. The very first one that really penetrated for me is Frank Miller's writing of him in the uh, Electra Dies saga where he's in prison mm-hmm. with Bullseye and he approaches Bullseye and tells Bullseye that the Kingpin has a new assassin who's replacing him. Mm-hmm. And Bullseye's like, why are you coming and telling me this? And and Castle says, well, I'm thinking maybe you might get mad and then you might do something stupid and get yourself killed. And it was, like I was like, wow. And it really that really portrayed him as to not just be this kind of violent, you know, kind of killing machine, this ex-Marine killing machine, but that he had this kind of a sinister justice that just, mm-hmm. you know, there was no heart to it. It was either you're, like Dwight said earlier, you're either bad or you're good, and if you're bad, I want to see you dead. I want to mm-hmm. see you taking a dirt nap. <laughs> exactly, and in fact, all of those um, Miller Punisher stories are connected, Um that issue, uh, Daredevil 181, happens right after mm-hmm. the Amazing Spider-Man Annual 15, where at the end of it, Punisher is cornered by the police, and there's a rookie cop that has him pinned, you know, has his gun trained on, like, freeze, and he's scared, and he tells the cop, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to shoot you, son, I don't want to shoot you, I'll go peacefully, you know what I'm saying? And then that's how he gets to Rikers to have that conversation with Bullseye, but then... Uh, he breaks out of Rikers, and that's how he ends up in that Child's Play storyline, you know, thereafter, mm-hmm. you know. So Miller mm-hmm. did a, you know, I, I I don't think Miller got enough credit for actually contributing pretty early on, you know, after, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Conway and Ramita Sr., you know, to the ethos of the character, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, man. He, he he really did handle him well. And like you said, it was it really did kind of... 
I mean, and everybody was kind of following Frank Miller's footsteps in, in his footsteps at that point mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, pretty much anything that he was doing. You started see, seeing, seeing people in interview, comic creators in interviews, talking more about storytelling. And uh, and of course, you know, Miller and um, well, Miller primarily it was kind of on the forefront of that that gritty, dark, dour yeah. era of comics. You know, what's funny to me though, and also some other creators who worked on on the Punisher, uh, Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, oh yeah, and then later on mm-hmm. uh, Matt Fraction mm-hmm. and Ariel Olivetti. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how the character it took about twenty years before that character really came in vogue and became uh, mainstream. I mean, it started happening in the eighties. Yes. With uh, I think with Zek and Grant. Yes. But you know, by the time it got to you, that was twenty years after the character had been created before he, you know, before he got to you. You know what I'm saying? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you think you think he just kind of, he kind of grew? Obviously, he grew at the times, and as as they changed, I think there was a need for, like after, you know, it seemed to me like comics really grew up in the 80s and changed their direction when, when right around the time Claremont and like you said Frank Miller got into it and started started making things more mature and more give it gave, gave the give the characters more girth and more expansive you know place to go mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's that what they were ready for um, an anti-hero they were ready for a person a character like the Punisher to, to mm-hmm. be more prevalent and social uh, now, I'll tell you another thing too uh, the Punisher actually uh, transformed, you know, like you're intimating, D, with the times. You know, when the Punisher first came out, uh, the big action hero of the time was Clint Eastwood, which would explain, like, okay. the sideburns and the kind of slick back hair, that slick back pompadour, you know what I'm saying? Um, right. Mm-hmm. And then, as you go into the 80s, as you go into the 80s, uh, you do have the Punisher becoming more of a... Um, more of a, uh, I, I want to say like like a like a vigilante, you know, a true vigilante, because those movies were mm-hmm. very okay. popular at the time, like you know, The Exterminator and several other movies too about getting revenge, you know, for having been mm-hmm. wronged, like those Grindhouse movies, and then he transforms even more through the late '80s, where you know he really becomes more of an action hero of the vein that you were seeing, like Schwarzenegger take over, Stallone, you know, Van Damme, and the stories from Marvel start to reflect those types of movies as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he comes up to present day where it's like you get a more nuanced sense of the character, you know? You really mm-hmm. start to deal with issues of PTSD, um, actual war, and the violence as well has matched, mm-hmm. you know, um, the maturing of the character, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Went from yeah. like comic book violence to where now, in most uh, Punisher appearances, the violence, you know, matches what's actually going on, like how it would actually mm-hmm. be, you know, in a comic book mm-hmm. sense, but still right. very disconcerting. Like, uh, yeah, you, you do have this yeah. violent, this violent criminal, really, violent vigilante yeah. out there, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dealing mm-hmm. this. I mean, uh, yeah, <clears throat> you're you're dead, you're dead on, man. I'm probably gonna talk about this a little, maybe forecasting, maybe stepping on, on on Swain's um, 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 feet here. But as we go into other media, we start to see the, the total maturation, how it matches the times of where expectations are for for characters characterization, mm-hmm. like with um, you know, a Berenthal's portrayal of of of, of Frank mm-hmm. Castle is is 
I mean, it's just <laughs> it's beyond like any kind of comic book, like like um, you know, comic booky ideal. It's like totally like a, a believable, you know, sympathetic, but angry, but but malice filled character. Man, it means that means. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't take out his malice. He's not like he doesn't punish everybody. He punishes the people who deserve to be punished or what people need to be punished at his ideal, you know. And he's and he's he's out for revenge, man. He goes for it, man. And Barenthal brings it, bro. He does. So. so- so as it relates to adaptations, uh, TV and film, and even animation, because uh, the Punishers appeared in like X Men cartoons, mm-hmm. Spider Man cartoons, um, and um, but like the films, I remember when they announced Dolph Lundgren was going to be playing the Punisher, and mm-hmm. I remember thinking, Dolph Lundgren, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> and the movie, for me, the movie, for me, the movie is not great. I'm just like. <laughs> and what got to me, yo, what got to me, yo, is uh, when he when he put, he put that part on it where it's like, um, he sits on a chopper. He, you know, he's he's hey. on a chopper motorcycle. You know, yeah. like, like, a, oh, like yeah. to get to, yeah. to paraphrase on the source and then get to the chopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He sits on a chopper. It's like, come on, man. That's like, come on, bro. He's riding a motorcycle, yo. What is this, like, Evil Knievel from the 70s? <laughs> he's, sp- he's supposed to be driving his pedophile van, yo. Damn. Oh, 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 damn. Oh. Got a van. Come on here, get in this van. <laughs> Want some ice cream? Want some ice cream? <laughs> but we have a lot of people don't 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 no, don't mention the fact that Lugasa Jr. is in that film with uh with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Uh um but so when they announced the, that they were gonna do another version of it in two thousand four with Thomas Jane and then, you know, John Travolta is plays the heavy in it. And I'm like, okay, first of all, Thomas Jane, uh, I don't know. Second of all, you said it in Miami? Mm, <laughs> of course, you know, know, were they, Miami, man. Were they giving tax credits in Miami at the time? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we setting this in Miami, you yeah, know? Yeah. Hey, um, we're for and I remember Crockett, being, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah there we go. Like, you know, Castillo, 20 some you know? years later. Right. Um, but... I remember being pretty unimpressed with the movie. It was it was fairly unremarkable, mm-hmm. and uh, and really not buying John Travolta as the heavy. He he played a lot of heavies after that. Like he played a heavy in um, Swordfish. Swordfish. He played a heavy in uh, the the remake of the Taking of Pelham One Two Three. He he played quite a few heavies. He he even played. Uh, one of the lawyers in that OJ uh, TV TV series adaptation of uh, you know the OJ trial and all of that. Yeah, uh, and he and he was kind of a heavy in that, even though he's playing like a real a real life character. Yeah. But probably the one that was the most mystifying, although it wasn't bad to look at. It had moments. Was the uh, the two thousand eight version with Ray uh, Stevenson? Uh, it wasn't a great rest, movie, rest in but peace. there were some in peace, scenes in it where yeah. some, some kills and some and some moves where I was like, okay. This feels a little comic bookish, but I mean, it just the movie just fell apart. It was just there was nothing there. There was no character. There was no nothing. That, that was Ray Stevens, bro. Ray, Ray Stevens, to me, I mean, rest in peace. Um, he 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 has he has a certain kind of certain kind of quality into it to his to his delivery. He felt like the best mesh merge between Mac Bullen brought and what you know, um, mm-hmm. old boy brought to to the four. He felt like a good like a believable. You know, mercenary type of person based on his his, his yeah. overall look and his face. You know, so I like that yeah. version yeah. a little bit. A little bit. But he was he's an Australian though, right? Wasn't he an Aussie? I believe I so. Yes, yes. Um, and then yeah. for for D and myself, you know, 
uh, Kevin Nash of wrestling fame, NWO. Yes, yo. <laughs> he played the Russian. He wasn't, he wasn't that. Kevin Nash is a Russian. With, with that striped shirt. That's he, not a stretch. <laughs> he played the character that Garth Ennis uh, created in his um, in his um, arc, uh, Welcome Back Frank. Um, which, okay. Which is actually, I think, the title of the uh, arc that um, Bernathal, you know, that, that first Punisher, not, not, the, not the first appearance in Daredevil, but when Bernathal came with the actual TV series, you know okay. what I'm saying? That Netflix like, series, Welcome yeah. back, Frank. Like, they kept saying, hey, okay. welcome back, Frank. Welcome back, Frank. Okay. You know, that type of okay. thing. Mm. to Netflix's The Punisher, which ran from 2017 to 2019, mm-hmm. and, and of which Adrian has just recently finished season one after after me berating him <laughs> and chiding him yeah, for right. weeks and months and weeks right. and months. And, and, yeah. he, has finally, he, he finally gave up the ghost and watched right. season one of Netflix's Daredevil, uh, Netflix's The Punisher. Yes. So what, what was your thought of, of, the, of that, that first season, man? For the most part, man, it was great. I mean, I okay. was totally taken in by Bernathal as the character. Just like, because mm-hmm. at first, you know, my arms were folded. I'm like, I don't know. I've heard good reviews of him, you know, playing the Punisher and his appearances on the Daredevil series. But I'm like, man, let me see. And then just, it was it was really, really good. And then the supporting cast was good. The writing was good. The, the A story the B story, the C story, and even the D story. You know, meshing mm-hmm. all these characters together really, really worked. Mm-hmm. I really felt like, you know, Bernathal, he went deep with the Punisher. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like, in a way, the Punisher got a berserker rage, like Wolverine. Like, he started grunting and growling when he was in the midst <laughs> of taking these guys out. You can't <laughs> save a Rick. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. I had to do it, man. Dang, Rick. <laughs> Coral. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know. But, yeah, man, his, his performance, man, he's, is, is brilliant, bro. I, I just can't, I can't say enough about it, man. I, here's the thing. Punisher's always been like a B character, a C character to me, if, mm. if, if I'm lucky, in terms of my interest level, interest level in him, and what he was capable of bringing to the fore, as far as like what he, his mission was always revenge. It was always about they kill my wife, they kill my kids, I'm, right. I'm, I'm gonna get them, you know? That was always his motivation. But Barenthal was able to, 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 to give you, okay, that's part of the reason, but there's other things which are, 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 are behind the scenes, which, which, Give him more of an impetus to do it. It's not. It was not just a pity party. It's about him trying to find a way of, of ridding all these people of, of uh, taking all these people out of the situation and making sure that everybody gets necessary justice. And I felt like that. Like he felt like a, he felt like a, um, someone like a, a Batman character to me, to some degree in that regard. Like he was doing things that were were necessary, not just because it was for him. It was for everybody. So, in my opinion, as far as uh, Bernthal's portrayal of uh of castle the thing that i liked about it more than anything else was is that it was more nuanced mm-hmm. it was depth mm-hmm. to the character there was an inner life that he had mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you didn't I didn't get a sense of reading the comics. Right. Um, he felt more tragic and less sociopathic the way that Bernthal portrays him. You know, his his well, I mean, in the sense of his <laughs> yeah, he's he's getting revenge. But yeah. keep in mind, like throughout the series, you really get more of a sense of his background with the right. military and right. his connection Why? to the military. Exactly. Uh, his sense of duty in terms of uh, wanting to be a soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of that comes through the camaraderie that he built with uh, with his fellow Marines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the idea that of, of duty and nobility being something, you know, worthwhile and that these people not only, you know, were, you know, in an incredible act of violence, you know, took his, his the life of his, his family. Yeah. But that, you know, that that, you know, that right needed to be done as a as as a result. It wasn't just revenge. It was also mm-hmm. right needs to be established in this sense. We can't just just let evil and let uh, these villains just kind of run amok. So I, I, I really think and, and the, the funny thing, too, is, is like if I were to read the Punisher now in the comics, I don't think I would read them with Bernthal's voice like I do. Kevin Conroy with Batman. I would I would read him as a different voice. The the Bernthal Punisher is very different from me for me than the than the Punisher that's that's been in uh that's been published in the comics at least in the past. I can't speak about current day or even like that um the uh, the miniseries that uh, Fraction and uh, Olivetti did mm-hmm. um uh, their run not not too long ago. But mm-hmm. um. And, and 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 Adrian, it is worthwhile to go back and see his appearance in Daredevil season two, okay. his first appearance in Daredevil season two, because that really does lay the groundwork for what you get in the series, mm-hmm. and um, and you see them starting to kind of find who Castle is in that series, and even like his interaction with Karen and his mm. relationship with Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what the series smartly did was they like Dwight said they took like a C level character with not a whole lot to him and you put all of these real emotions and these real characters around him, you know, the micro character and his family, mm-hmm. Karen page, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the black, uh, uh, Curtis. uh police, police, oh, Kurt, no, not, uh, the, the, the policeman, uh, forget his name oh, from the daredevil yeah. series. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, his relationship with Curtis, his relationship with, uh, with Bill before it goes bad, you know, mm, very bad. Um, <laughs> really um, bad. <laughs> and 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 even even his in the final moments, his sensitivity to the Vietnam vet in that se- in season one, you know, his sensitivity to that guy's situation. You know, he's like he realizes, okay, this guy is is you know is ultimately going to have to be put down. Mm-hmm. But he gets where he's coming from. He gets the loss, you know. And mm-hmm. and even those sequences with Curtis and the Vietnam vets in the uh, in kind of a uh, a therapy session, group therapy session, it was just great. And it just added a certain amount of depth and a certain amount of where those quiet moments had just as much weight as the really explosive, violent ones did as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I will say this, um, and and, and I, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll finish my my analysis very briefly. Um, no. What I also mm-hmm. liked about the Punisher about this um, this first season was that I, I'm a sucker for like stuff that goes to like higher levels of government and showing like mm-hmm. oh man you know there's mm-hmm. shadowy agents in these higher levels of government I, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for stuff mm-hmm. like that I love that shit but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as those pieces started getting put together and you find out you know 
who it is and his connection to Frank's past. And spoilers, spoilers, he catches, they catch up with Frank. They corner Frank and, you know, and everything. My two gripes, two gripes I have with, with that first season. Two gripes. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're beating Frank. They're torturing Frank. You know what I'm saying? Frank is out of it. He's bleeding out and everything. And, you know, somebody implicitly says, oh, I forget who it was, but they say like, oh, the, the guy who's beating him, Rawlings. He gets off on it. You know, he gets off on your pain. Yeah. And, and you're looking at Rawlings' face. He's like, oh, he's an axe to see if he's punching him. <laughs> he's right? almost <laughs> orgasmic, yo. Yes, exactly. He's almost <laughs> orgasmic. <laughs> so, okay. So the Punisher is about to be just out for the count. Why do you give the Punisher adrenaline to wake him up? That's like giving Popeye spinach. Why would you give... <laughs> <laughs> Why would you give the Punisher adrenaline? And you know what's going to happen. And and it did. So I'm like, well, but keep keep in mind that was that was clearly supposed to be that was clearly supposed to be something that a tactic that they used when they were uh, torturing and, right? and um and trying to get you know trying to get a uh, uh, you know get somebody to talk. Yeah. You know, overseas is is when they they bought the when they bought the keel over you, it's like, okay, no, nah, don't don't leave me yet. Right. Not yet. I need you, I need you to be a little while longer. You know? I'm gonna have me some fun. I'm gonna have me some fun. <laughs> exactly. Some fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, like the punisher ain't everybody, so he paid for it. He definitely paid yeah. for it. And then my, my other yeah. thing too is it's like and and this is a, so much of a gripe as it is an observation. There were times where the violence in the new Punisher, you know, version, yes, it was very much more realistic, you know, given the weaponry that the Punisher was using. But then some of it was like, yeah, this is definitely like a Punisher comic. There have been so many Punisher comics where Frank has had a showdown with an ex-military mate, an ex-military guy. You know, not necessarily a friend, but someone who is his equal as far as tactics mm-hmm. or whatnot. And they always have a showdown at a at a deserted carnival or something, some type right. of it's fairground. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I appreciated that. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that actually would happen in that Punisher comic. But then where mm-hmm. it comes down to, he made Billy Russo into Jigsaw, like, yeah, yeah. Was yeah, like, it was yeah. it was like you know it was like in that Batman '89 where you know uh, the Joker is the one who killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Like, it's like okay, okay, we don't have to make it in such a nice, tidy, you know, bow. Just, bow, just, yep. right. Yeah, right. just perfect. You put your finger on it, and, you know, so you can make the knot. Just okay. You're being a little too perfect. You know, what I'm saying it's a little too on the nose, a little too, too fine a point. Right. That's what you call putting too fine a point on it. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but you know what? But I didn't mind it because it was like, okay, it just put a reminder that, yes, this is still a comic book character, even though there are right, many right. characters and settings within this that really give it a world, a real world gravitas. But that type mm-hmm. of violence and outcome is like, oh, yes, this is a comic book character. So I didn't mm-hmm. mind that too much. You know, it was, it was a nice touch. Yeah. And, it, and, and it sets up the second season perfectly. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a setup for the next season in terms of Jigsaw being a more prominent dominant character. Don't, not don't, to spoil don't, it for don't, you. But D, don't spoil I'm it. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, no details. No details. Just okay. you know, in terms yeah. of, you know. So, the, the only yeah. thing I will spoil is what I have already spoiled in that they, uh, they do the, uh, the Assault on Precinct 13 oh. homage. 
yeah. in the first uh, few episodes, Oof. and it is wonderfully, Oof. wonderfully sir, done. Okay, sir. that's all you wonderfully had to say. done, sir. Yeah. You said the magic yeah. words. I would sir. say, I would say Netflix got that right to the point to where it's almost, it was almost like as good as that entire that supposedly one shot sequence where Daredevil in the hall, hallway, mm-hmm. where it's just one, 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 one take. One camera. Yeah, it's not what happened yeah. really, but it was it was that level of, of intricacy and, and, and was well very that much that much yeah you know, hmm. to it. And Love even it. in the, uh, in real life, uh, well, in the sh- on the show, Bernthal is wearing a uh, he's wearing a cast. Yeah, and he had actually he had actually broken his wrist or something, and that was a real cast he had to wear. Wow. So there's a point okay. in there where where they incorporate that in with the character and with what's going on. Oh. I think he he was doing a stun or something or punched somebody or something and he he broke his wrist. I forget how exactly it happened. But mm. the funniest the funniest part I like the funniest part about the scene where like you Adrian what you were talking about where Frank is being tortured by Rollins and uh, and Russo and some of the uh, and Russo tells Frank Frank's tied to the chair and he says yeah hey, Frank nice place you got here. And Frank says, yeah, do you like how I decorated it with all your guys? Because he's just <laughs> oh, And they just laid around. Oh. They just laid around. So that place has got it like rotten flesh. He's got to be, you know, just, you know, wow. place has got to be stinking like crazy. But um, um, I think the other thing, too, as far as the, you mentioned it being a comic book movie, one of the things that, um, that really brought me back to The Punisher uh, to some extent, just as an art lover, was Tim Bradstreet's covers mm. for the uh, for the series. Mm. I mean, yes. they they just were so graphic and captured everything so well, and just had that dark, ominous tone. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was taking photographs and oh, really, yeah. you know, composing composing those images. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he did such a great job with them, and and they were so iconic. You know, from mm-hmm. month to month, it was just like crazy good. So mm-hmm. oh yeah, mm-hmm. and in uh, fact, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Bradstreet was um, involved heavily in like the style guide uh, for that first Punisher movie. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he actually drew a version of the poster for that Thomas Jane movie. Um, somebody out mm-hmm. there can correct he me. He did. He did. But I. He did. Definitely remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a version of that mm-hmm. at the time because it came out when I was yeah. working at a at uh, at the comic store. So we got in like some promo posters from some some company was doing movie promos and they saw that we were a comic shop, hence comic book movie. So they dropped off some of those posters and I remember yeah. seeing like, wow, Tim Bradstreet drew this. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I was like, oh, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have kept it, man. That would have been a... And, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he start to incorporate Thomas Jane as his Punisher as it went on? Didn't he use the image of Thomas Jane? Somewhat, like an amalgam of it. Like, you, you, you know how it is. It's like, you, you, you use the actor as a reference, even though you can't implicitly use every single feature of them, but you use their mm-hmm. facial structure. It's like... That's who you're mm-hmm. basing it off of. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the big yeah. selling points. Um, also, when um, Ennis was uh, writing The Punisher, after um, the initial couple of arcs with Steve Dillon, and then he had other artists come in to illustrate stories after that, those Punisher covers every month by Bradstreet were just like, wow. Yeah. Every yeah, single they really month. Were. Yes. They really yeah. were. They really yeah. were. You know what? I might be confused because because Bradstreet's Punisher was really more Ray Stevenson like than it was Thomas Jane like. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm confusing it with is is um, whoever did the covers for Criminal Macabre, Steve Niles's series, they were actually using Thomas Jane as the basis for that. Kelly character. Jones. Hmm. Kelly Jones. 
Was that Kelly Jones? Kelly Jones. Yeah, a, a Cal okay. McDonald I, mystery. Okay, right, 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 mm-hmm. right, right, right. Yeah. So I think they were actually using using Jane as uh, as the model for that. But yeah. Um. So so Punisher is an antihero and he's a vigilante mm-hmm. and he's kind of a superhero. I guess he's just a comic book character. You wouldn't really call him a superhero. Right. Well, as much as much as much as as much as Batman is a superhero. I mean, he doesn't have any powers, but his powers are, are his ability to like, 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 stay focused and 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 deal, take a lot of pain. Like these guys get stabbed. Well, but, and get hurt yeah, a lot. but Punisher's yeah. never been but on like a superhero team. You know, Punisher ain't True. never been in the Avengers. He ain't he he ain't been on the Defenders. You know, he ain't even been on the Champions. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, I, th- I thought he wasn't Defenders. Curse <laughs> no. Maybe not. Maybe not. You're right. No. Yeah. yeah. No. He wouldn't be. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think in one of the cartoons, maybe the X Men or something, he was on. He was on. Wasn't he a member of the Defenders on one of those? I want to say he one was, maybe. <clears throat> Defenders mm-hmm. are, oh, yeah. Seems like it. And he didn't, hit, he didn't have guns. He had, like, lasers. Right, he had, of like, course. laser yeah. guns. This is he didn't 90s have, like, so He was shooting bullets. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to talk about uh, anti-heroes across a spectrum. Okay. You know, like, in, in different mediums. And, 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 and just throw some names out there. Uh, because some of them do fall in the vigilante category, some of them fall in the true anti-hero category. Some of them are a tragic anti-hero to some extent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then some of them are straight up, you know, just likable villains, in my opinion. But mm. but pe- these are the names that kind of come up uh, over uh, at times. So of course we have Harry Callahan. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Han Solo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause he's yeah. not in it for the justice or for doing good. Right. He's he, right. you know, he's I'm in a scalawag. I'm in it for the right. money. Yeah. yeah, I'm in it for the money. Yo, I'm trying she's, to get paid. She, she's, you know? be- she's beautiful. So's life. Damn. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Captain Ahab. Yes. It's yes. kind of like yeah. an antihero because he's kind of maniacally obsessed. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Uh, of course, Paul Kersey from uh from the uh, Death Wish series. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, he's definitely an anti-hero. Dwight, this is one I want to ask you about. Alex from Clockwork Orange. Would you consider him to be an anti-hero? Mm. He's definitely not. A, he's, a, he's a damn villain, yo. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <laughs> Implicitly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Little fucking he's a sociopath. Villain, yeah. He's a, yep. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. He's nothing but a, but a, but a, um, a, um, a disenchanted rapist, yo. Like, he's, 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 a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, yeah, he's not a good guy. Right. Okay. He's, a, he's, a, he's interesting. He's, 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 he's visually interesting and enchanting to look at because of Roddy McDowell. Not Roddy McDowell, but... Um, Malcolm McDowell. What's his name? Malcolm. Malcolm McDowell. Mal- yeah, Malcolm. But, but he's not. No, he's a, bad, he's a bad dude, man. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of times, like, Harley Quinn will show up on people's list and it's like, she's a murderer. Right. She, mm-hmm. She's murdered people. What yeah. are you talking that's, about? That's Alex. <laughs> that's Alex. And, yeah. I, and not just like, you know, oh, they're just all bad. You know, like, right. uh, <laughs> like Arnold Like said. Arnold and True Lies, but they're all bad. <laughs> right. um, more anti-heroes would be like uh, Jack from Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. Yeah. Um, Erica Kane from All My Children. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you went there, yo. I Man. mean, think about it. Think about it. Yeah. You know, she. There were times where she would be the hero of her own story. Well, yeah. But she was, you know, and, th- and she was essentially like the prototype for like these these villains on like a uh, on uh, like these housewife shows. Yeah, yeah. Susan that's, Lucci. That's essentially yeah. what yeah. she is. She was that's like the harbinger is. for for, for that in a way. Very much so. Um, 
Tony Soprano, mm-hmm. where you're, you're almost kind of rooting for the bad guy. He, although he's not an anti-hero, he's really just a, a likable villain, I guess, more yeah, than anything else, Yeah, right? I was about to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Tom Ripley from The Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, that character that Matt Damon played, he was really a villain, but he mm-hmm. was just a likable villain. But people consider him, because he it was his story, people consider him to be an anti-hero, but he's really not an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Did you you guys remember that movie? Yes, of course. Vaguely, mm-hmm. vaguely, vaguely. Okay. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> um, Walter White in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Whew. Mm. Kind of yeah, started out as an antihero and then just kind of became like a villain. Villain, yo. Um, you know where you're just like, okay, I'm not on your side now, well, Dexter. To, to, to me, he's, he's I like. I, here's the thing. I liked. I liked him. I, as from the beginning, as a school teacher that was trying to you know do, do things for his family, I, I liked him, man. Like I felt while he oh, was Oh yeah, going everybody liked direction. him at first, but then you realize, yeah. oh okay, once you get in the game, the game is going to change you. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm you the know. one who knocks. It's like, damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And <laughs> even and even it, and even in that situation where he says that, he's not being a tough guy when he says that. He's saying something intimidating to his wife, so he's yeah. he's being kind of a bitch. Yeah. You know yeah. when when he's when he was saying that, but yeah. uh, Dexter. From the HBO, HBO was out through HBO. I think it was HBO. Yeah, uh, HBO Show, Dexter. Showtime. He's he's Showtime. 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 He's definitely an antihero. You know, I am a serial killer who hunts serial killers. Yeah. Hey, you know, Swiss. I got one for you. O- yeah. Omar from HBO's The Wire. Omar. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Prototypical antihero. Absolutely. Like uh, a good guy, but he is using means. That are questionable. They're questionable. But he has a code of ethics and a code of conduct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 The game is out here to be played. You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in- indeed. Um, <laughs> Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. Oh. oh wow. Uh, man, I don't. <laughs> Didn't she start out innocent and then she turned yeah. into like a like an assassin, yo? <laughs> yeah, but she but, but yeah, but she's a, but she's not she's not a villain though, man. She's not you know she's not a villain. She's just a she's she's wants revenge for her family. So I get that. But you know, isn't Frank, Frank, is, Frank is the same way. Yeah. That's what Frank is, is doing, Frank right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but she but she but, but after a while she chilled though. She sailed off into the into the into the sunset once once her mission was accomplished. You know what I mean? So she was you know. Macy Gray okay. pulled that play. She met Macy Gray. Macy Macy Williams played really well. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. Um, good good pull though, Swizz. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Salander from uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Hmm. She's hmm. kind of like an antihero in a way. Uh, yeah. If you see that, if you if you remember from that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great soundtrack. And then I don't know the the character's name, but the woman that uh, that Viola Davis plays on. Uh, how to get away with murder. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. From, yeah, yeah, from yeah. what I have seen of that show, my wife used to watch the show. From what I've seen of it, she's kind of an anti-hero in a way. Yeah. Uh as yeah. well. In a strange um, way, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course the you know the aforementioned Wolverine, Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. you know, uh Electra. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh Electra is probably, you know, she kind of went from villain first. Assassin yeah. villain to kind of like anti hero later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's so weird how, you know, anti heroes make you feel ambivalent, but you have strong feelings about them once they're taken off mm-hmm. the board. Like, consider this mm. 
with the deaths of like Elektra and even with like the mm-hmm. death of like Omar and The Wire, you know that they're mm-hmm. anti-heroes. You know that their methods were, you know, very questionable or whatnot. But you and you know, inevitably, they're going to meet some kind of a dark ending. It's not going to end well for them. You know, poetically, that. Mm-hmm. it must exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 And just once yeah. they leave the board, so to speak, their losses felt, you know, even more so sometimes than if the main character were to be, you know, eliminated. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, because they make right. you feel that that the, instead of like you know, with the main character being mostly black and white. Those antiheroes deal in gray. So you have your own feelings like, hey, if I was in that position, I probably may act the same way. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a bit extreme, but I can understand where they're coming from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And even with with even with Omar, in terms of that void being felt so much so that they ended up, you know, replacing him with, you know, like the new Omar, so to speak, in, right. you know, in, the, in the form of Michael later on in that final episode, mm-hmm. uh, that series finale. Yeah. So in, to, to that point, to that point then, so how do you feel about like Killmonger? Like was Killmonger really, you know, I mean, <sighs> Grant, there's a lot of reworking of his storyline as far as comics goes versus the movie. Right. Black of course. Panther. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You talking about the comic version? You talking about the, uh, the film version? Yeah. Yeah. The film, the film version, which was like, it, it was a bit, it was, to me, it was a bit heavy handed at times, bro. Like I felt, okay. Yeah. yeah. He, he has, he has his back background in, 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 in Oakland, you know, and all yeah, that sort of stuff. And I, and I get it. <laughs> and, and he's like, he's like, he's like the, he's like the, um, the, the diaspora child he left behind and things like that. I get all that. But at the same time, I was like, okay, you know, so we're gonna kill this guy in the first movie, and why is he the main villain versus versus Claw, who's been along for the ride for the Marvel in various iterations inside the various uh, franchises? It's like, mm. okay, you know, why would not try to extend this guy out to a, to, to a greater degree and have him like maybe get away or do something that was interesting, like a, do the do the villain for later type of thing? If he's the antithesis of of, and it seemed like he was. He was the antithesis of of, of Black Panther. Why kill him all so soon? Yeah, but here's here's the thing. They again playing with you know what we were just talking about with antiheroes. You know they mm-hmm. do try to redeem um, Killmonger at the end after he and T'Challa have that battle. You know underground or whatnot, sure. and sure. he ends up you know being killed. You know, and right. T'Challa carries him to see the sunrise. You know because he always wanted right. to see that. You know what I mean? But right. I do right. get what you're saying about. <sighs> It being a bit heavy-handed, but he did have points, mm-hmm. though, which is what I'm saying about those he heroes. He was like, "Yeah, right. yeah, you, right. you know, you, right. you, you guys, we we can use the weaponry here to change things around the world for people of color." Mm-hmm. And you know, what about 400 years ago? Yeah. And so he had points that hit home, but the way he was right. trying to bring those points home is what made him mm-hmm. an anti-hero. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, I mean, this is this is a you know uh, uh, an overused analogy, but it was the Malcolm Martin kind of uh, mentality, so to speak. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it, yo, but it kind of was. It was like the, you know the means justifying the ends versus hey, we need to use our own tactics. Yeah, you know, T'Challa's thing was let's use our own tactics and let's use our own ways of doing things we don't have to you know do it the way that they do it and Killmonger saying no nah, no nah, let's do it the way that they do it and show them what it feels like you know <laughs> right you know so uh with, with this advanced weapon y'all been hiding for all these years 
Yeah. <laughs> Plus, to 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 to, to Dwight's to Dwight's uh, point, it's it was it, it is the classic good guy, bad guy, worst guy. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, Claw is a straight up villain. He's a greedy thief. He's you know has a disregard for life, and Killmonger is more nuanced. You know, it's so it's just you know good guy, bad guy, worst guy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Deadpool. Right, Deadpool's gonna be yeah, that's kind of like one. an antihero, right? Or is good he? One. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, now he uh, is. Constant. Yeah. Now he is. Now he yeah. is. Uh, Constantine, John Constantine. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not, he's not, okay. not a villain. Not a hero. He's almost just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gray area. Yeah. In, in, in the midst of circumstance, I would say. His story is always in the yeah. midst of circumstance, immediate rest, if you will. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, nice, nice. Catwoman has changed. She used to be oh. just a straight up villain and a thief, and now it's kind of like, you know, she's got. She'll have her own series. You know, uh, Selena's mm-hmm. big score, and yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and you know, she's she's you know having sex with Batman on the roof, and it's like okay. Making babies, uh, right, right, right. <laughs> little, little cat, bat babies, you know. <laughs> no, no. The, the the huntress is like in some in some, in some retelling of the story. The huntress oh, yeah, yeah, is actually yeah. the baby, yeah. the child. Yeah, of uh, you're right, oh, yeah, you're right, that, like, you're like, right. Like the Earth, the Earth Two Huntress. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, right. so Bruce Bruce Wayne is basically a baby daddy, yo. He got Damien. Mm-hmm. He got Huntress. Mm-hmm. He's a baby daddy, yo. Is he a deadbeat? Is he paying his his child his monthly child support, yo? Or uh... no, no, he ain't paying nothing, y'all. He ain't paying nothing. He going, he's going down. <laughs> he got a billion dollars. Dang, he's going down to Gotham City to my need custody. God. <laughs> Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne talking about I want I want to put my utilities in my mama name. <laughs> Her name was Martha. <laughs> they be like, wait a minute, is she dead? Come on, Why you with my mama? Why you with my mama? What's up? All right. Oh my god. Dang yo. But uh, I guess three more to uh, to consider. Uh, Blade. Uh, yes. Hmm. I think Blade is definitely would fall into the antihero category for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Winter Soldier? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Uh, last but not least, and the obvious one would be Lobo. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, Lobo would, you know, would, uh, I think Lobo would definitely fall into that. I think Adrian, Adrian, you gone? You froze again. No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm a, I'm a screenshot, Adrian, yo. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. That's a, crazy, I'm here. that's a crazy shot there, too, yo. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? I took a picture of myself. I had a uh, an abscess in my mouth, and I was trying Ooh. to get... I was trying to get Trish to say, hey, what does this look like? So I had her take a picture of it. Right. And the picture was so raw, it looked like a uh, like a Ralph Steadman drawing. Damn. Oh, wow. You know, like a like a Bill Sienkiewicz, right. you know, right, right, right. right. that screen. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it. I'll share it with you guys and show it. Send it to you. I was like, cool. it was such a wild looking photo. I was like, okay, yeah, man. Hey. I, couldn't have, I, I couldn't have created this if I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> Speaking and, of, and yet, you know, it, it it turned out all right. So, Sweet. I was gonna I was gonna add one last thing that's so coincidental about this story of you uh, getting a picture of your abscess. There is a Punisher story that actually takes place 
from inside of a thug's mouth as the Punisher is torturing him. It's drawn by oh, Joe Quesada. Really? Yeah. Wow. Really? Yes. Quesada actually drew it from inside the thug's mouth the whole time. So the Punisher <laughs> is putting the forceps or whatever in, the braces in, to hold the uh, guy's mouth open. And he's taking teeth out while he's Damn. torturing him. And then the story Ooh. ends with basically him putting a desert eagle in his mouth and saying, ah, now say, ah, bam. Damn. Damn. Wow, yo. If anyone That's is interested, That's a pretty that daring is, idea in terms of storytelling, don't you think? It is. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and Joe Sada, you know, Joe Sada, he is very detailed when it comes to, mm -hmm. you know, his artwork. So he drew every tooth, every molar. You know, he drew, Damn. like, the missing you know, abscess where the tooth was as he removed it, all that, all that stuff. And if anybody is wow. interested, that issue is Marvel Double Shot number one. And it is no from 2001, if I'm not mistaken. I have the issue somewhere nice. behind me, but yeah. When nice, you okay. mentioned the story about, you know, the dentist and, you know, taking a picture of your mouth and we're talking about the Punisher, I remembered that yeah. particular story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. Uh, to close things out, again, from the uh, the article that came, and it actually came out uh, just a couple days ago, mm. and I shared it with you guys in the group chat. It was written by a writer named Stephanie Whiteside. And again, it was just talking about Conway's kind of conflicted, uh, um, uh, conflicted feelings about how the Punisher and the Punisher's iconography has been adopted by these kind of far-right groups. Mm -hmm. And and again, one of the, the points that Dwight made was that, you know, you really can't control this stuff. And, and there are all kinds of symbols throughout uh, history and symbols, you know, that we still see and, 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 and that are, are, um, that are looked upon today and their original meanings, what they mean today don't have anything to do with, with their original meanings. They've been, you know, co-opted or adopted by, you know, by other groups or by, uh, more contemporary and modern, uh, by, by modernity. Mm -hmm. And so they don't they, nice. they don't they don't mean what they used to years ago, like anything else, you know, language, it evolves and changes. You know, the word bad used to mean terrible. Now if something's bad. It could mean bad or it could mean, you know, something is really great. You right. Know? Not bad mean bad, but bad, bad mean good. good. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, um, you know, the word dope, you know, it used to mean somebody who wasn't very smart. And then it was reference to. You know, uh, illicit substances, and, and now it means you know something is is it's a sign of approval. Yo, that's dope, yo. Yeah, yeah. you know, so so things change. But right. you guys were talking about like the uh, the Ankh symbol, uh, mm -hmm. which I guess has its origins in is it India or the Aztecs or it's a uh, Egypt, Egypt, Egyptian, yes, yeah. Egypt, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay, para, para Ankh. Now, now, now here's the and thing now about it's, the, yeah, here's yeah. the thing about the Ankh though. I was gonna say. In comic book terms, we've seen the Ankh represented, you know, with uh, Dr. Fate, um, mm -hmm. with uh, Moon Knight, always in reference Doctor to... Doctor Strange. Yes, mm -hmm. always in reference to death, the mystic. Death. Right. And then mm -hmm. death. Yes, thank you, D. You know, in uh, Neil, Neil Gaiman's uh, Death, uh, the Sandman series. Mm -hmm. You know, always mm -hmm. in relation mm -hmm. to uh, some ancient, you know, um, mysticism or dealing directly with ancient Egypt, you know, that type of thing. My mm -hmm. problem with the art as it is used today is that it's uh, it's been co-opted by, as we know in our community, known as hoteps. And for those who don't know what hoteps are, <laughs> these are... <laughs> 
these are <laughs> these are these are brothers in our community who are very much pro-black and espouse you know all of these you know leanings towards that regard, but their actions say otherwise, you know. But they're quick to hold up the arcus like, peace, my brother. Stay black, stay black. Even though I'm gonna date this white woman, even though I'm a, I'm a not, I'm a announce this school for black children that I'm never gonna open, but still take donations 10, 12 years later. You know, it's like, <laughs> no. Plus, plus two, the whole, you know, the whole tap, the whole, the whole tap thing as well is like, you know. Uh, you know, holistic and kind of woo-woo. There's always these alternative medicines and alternative ways to heal yourself. All oh, the, the drug industry just wants to keep you sick, my brother. You need to take some golden seal and and, and that'll heal you up. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, everything's all tantric, sitting Indian style or you know lotus mm-hmm. style and drinking. Drinking herbal tea, like you said, Doctor Sebi and all this stuff is like Doctor Sebi Dr. and Doctor Umar. Yeah. You, you know, Umar. You know, it, it, it comes down. It comes down. It comes down to this, man. It comes down to this. Ultimately, a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. Mm. You know, and and you know, on the terms of people on their journeys to enlightenment, when you when you when you half step and don't go fully deep, deep, deep into into things and find out exactly where things come from and where the original things come from. That's where you start to misrepresent yourself and misrepresent your, your, your ideas or maybe rep, maybe actually representing your ideas and finding that everybody wants to be on top. It's a power struggle. It's like, you know, it's 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 like they don't really want to they don't want equality. They want dominance. Mm. And, 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 when, and when you when you find a reason and a symbol which can which can magnify and symbolize your dominance, you gravitate towards that and, and go there. You know, it's like, you know, ask ask the early Christians. You know, if you look at the Bible, the crucifix is is an anathema. The crucifix shouldn't you shouldn't be wearing a cross anymore. You should be wearing a, wearing anything else. You know, it's it's like it's it's not meant to be a symbol which you attach meaning to, but they do. And it's so. it's and it was a means of corporal uh, of of corporal punishment. It was it was, mm-hmm. a, yeah. it was a you know used to hear rappers talk about that all the time. Okay, if 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 Jesus had been killed today, you know we'd have like. You know, lethal injections around our necks, or little electric chairs, or right. a noose. You know, it's like it was just a way to to kill people. You know, that's mm-hmm. all it was. Yeah. You know, and and, so, and, so. and I don't think it's I don't think it's an accident that for lethal injection you are spread eagle like a crucifix. Right. right. Mm, something mm. to think about, my brother. Mm. Right. Hotel. Right. Hotel, <laughs> my brother. <laughs> right. Right. My brother, have you read Behold the Pale Horse, my brother? <laughs> <laughs> the four horsemen of the apocalypse are coming, my brother. Oh my god! Yeah. Don't be don't be one of them. Anyway, uh, I looked up a few, and there are a few that I knew about as well. But uh, like the swastika, I think was originally uh, an image from the, the Catholic Church, if I'm not mistaken. It actually goes back to uh, to the, the early days of the Catholic Church in the dark dark uh, the Dark Ages. And it's also Japanese and, and as got, well. I, yeah, as well. And then it got, it's, you know, again, co-opted by, by the Nazis. It's, it's also Ethiopian, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's across okay. several so cultures. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the raised fist, you know, uh, the raised fist. Uh, Afro picks. Has kind of been. <laughs> it's, it, well, I think years ago, it was more of a symbol for like unions and solidarity, yep. you know, mm-hmm. uh, during the. 
the uh, the, the workers and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even in, like have you know have some roots in like in, uh, in like Russia. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then of course you know uh, the Black Power movement in the uh, in the sixties and seventies and you know it, you know famously became that that back then uh, the infinity symbol. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, which yeah. I forget what its origins were, but the infinity symbol, uh, and then the caduceus. Oh yeah, um, which is the uh, the staff with the snakes, right? Which was originally, you know, now it's connected to medicine, but I think early on it was it was it was connected to something else. Oh, Injury. now we think about it as far as as, as medicine is on the outside of hospitals, yeah. and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the mudras, which is. The I think it's Indian. What's that? This symbol. Okay. Uh, I don't know. You kind of put your thumb and your uh, and your your bird finger together like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's it's I believe it's it has its origins in Egypt as well, but you know now you know we would think this was like a gang symbol. Somebody did that on TV. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. yeah you know. Soul Sonic Force. West Side Fool. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but. But I, I I don't know. I think that you know the the skull, and I hate that. Didn't Marvel stop using the skull for the uh, for, as a symbol of the Punisher? Didn't they change it and alter it a little bit? Uh, they've stylized it a couple of times over the years, but they've never exclusively stopped using it. It's too it's too much of a of a brand now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Merchandising, yeah. oh, keychains, uh, bumper stickers. You see it on. Pickups. I, I I can't tell you how many times here in Georgia that I'm sure each of us is riding and we yeah. see it on the back window or the back bumper of some big ass pickup truck. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a small pickup truck, but a big one. Yeah. A, a big ass <laughs> yes, exactly. a big ass pickup truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which 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 there are a bunch of down here in the south. So. Sure it mm-hmm. is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess it's like anything else, like the bat symbol for Batman, where it's been stylized and changed a little bit over the years. It's still kind of it's kind of what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. but not you, you see different versions of it with the yellow, or you know, just, just they drop the yellow and it's just the black and it's just the you know the bat itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, like D pointed out, you know, once once you put it out in the world, you know, you you can't pull it back. You know, you. Yeah. You can't pull it's it un- back. You know? It's unfortunate, but to Conway, to Conway's, to Conway's um, 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 credit, he is making efforts to try and, and right the wrongs or try to try to do a counterpoint as to what it's, it means for these other groups, which won't, I'm going to give name to because I, I don't want to give them any kind of press. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, screw them in the and the, the, the horse they rode in on. I hope they ride out on, on it too. You know, but it's like we know who they are and how they've adopted and, and co-opted those symbols, and you know, uh, I think. As long as an author is alive, he has the opportunity to make a difference and make a change to make sure that what he wants the overriding message to be, that should, that's what it should be, you know, to me. Yeah. Yeah. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.